are back. The Generational Emotions Podcast here in the heart of Central Washington University. With 881 The Berg Studios. I'm Soma Lambert. Next to me, Doug Folt from the Wellness Center. Uh, it's been a it's been a good week. It's been a crazy week in sports. Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy week in sports. The last week, uh, unfortunately, Soma caught the flu. Soma still has some of that flu, so we weren't able to get in here and record. Uh, but we're back this week, and like you said, crazy week in sports. Uh, so much going on. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, Tiger Woods, Doug. Tiger Woods is back. Tiger Woods. Oh my God, I peaked my voice there, and I really, I really needed that. Uh, because Tiger Woods is back. Um, everyone was rooting for Tiger on Sunday. We'll get into a little bit of that, as well as a potential security guard that could have taken uh, right. our moment from us. I don't know if you saw that. But, oh, I did. Uh, Trying to Nancy Kerrigan him or something. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Uh, NBA playoff action. Game three tonight, baby. Blazers, Thunder. You smell that, Doug? You can you can kind of sense how a little stuff. You're still having a little man. trouble smelling, but... But I'm trying to... Smells like a sweep. Mmm, I love the smell of a good sweep. Uh, we'll get into that and why I really do believe, uh, on besides my biased Blazers opinions, uh, why there might be a sweep coming OKC's direction uh, later on in the program. But first, Doug, I'm going to get to a little uh, on this day uh, in sports history. Like we do every show, uh, we go back in history and we give a little, a uh, couple tidbits of uh, some, some famous things that happened. And I want to start out uh, with the GOAT, Michael Jordan, uh, on this day in history, 1986. Doug, where were you in 1986? I was about, just about to turn five years old, so just about uh, to probably turn five. really not paying attention. Well, you should have been paying attention. I should have been. You should have been. 63-point game, uh, round one series against the Celtics. Double overtime game, one of the great games of all time. Uh, ESPN did an inside look on that game uh, is where I got that information today. And they went beyond the box score for it, uh, getting interviewed with, like, Larry Bird. And uh, this is uh, all of this, like, Jordan stuff that's coming up lately is going to be a part of this awesome documentary that we're all waiting for. I think you've heard of it. It's supposed to drop next year. And it's just, like, this elongated uh, documentary crew filmed the 96 Bulls season, evidently, and that's kind of the, the theme of the documentary. But now we're getting all these, you know, extra little Jordan tidbits here and there, and, and I'm here for all of it. Um, which brings me to my next point on this day in sports history. Uh, let's fast forward 10 years to 1996. Okay, that one I remember. I remember Where 96. was Doug in 1996? 96 was just about to finish up middle school. Okay, um, okay. Uh, so hanging out, doing my thing, starting to pay attention to what's going on in the world of sports. So, quote, uh, the greatest team of all time, end quote. Um, there might be, you know, some conversation with that Warriors team who won 73 games, blah, blah, blah. But the 72nd win of the season for the 96 Bulls came on this day in sports history. Do we still put that team at the top? I mean, you can get into the whole different eras of basketball, blah, blah, blah. But, and furthermore, do you remember this 96 Bulls? Do you remember watching? Do you just remember watching that as a a wee little middle schooler? uh, Well, yeah, because you were very much aware of the moment that was there when Jordan comes back and they put together 
not only is he going back with Pippen, but now they add Dennis Rodman to the mix to have a strong center, to have somebody who can play a little bit more defense, to add to all the other great defenses. And that's when, again, whenever we talk about greatest teams ever, when you look back on that team, I think four of them were on the all-defensive team, um, so including Jordan and Pippen and Rodman. And I don't remember who the fourth one was. But that team was so amazing. But not only in the idea that they could get 72 wins, but then they also finished the deal. And that was one of those things yeah. that came up this week in sports with um, the Lightning, which had the best regular season mm-hmm. of any NHL team ever. And they got swept right out of the playoffs. When you look at that Golden State team from a couple years ago, amazing team, most wins in a regular season. Blew it. But do they got the rings? Mm-hmm. They don't got the rings. Nope. So when you look back at that 96 team, not only were they able to do it throughout the regular season, which is a grind, but they were also able then to amplify that into the postseason. And unfortunately for me, as a you know, Sonics fan way back in the day, um, completely dominate everybody that was out there. I'm glad you brought up that little Sonics tidbit because when we get to some of uh, this NBA playoff action, I want to I w- I wa- I wanna feel some of the love of some old Sonics uh, bitterness uh, in this Blazers-Thunder series because I've been getting a lot of it from my, uh, my OKC haters out there, which are evidently most Seattle fans, and I feel like you should be an OKC hater if you're a yeah, Seattle yeah. fan. I am, uh, I, I, I know, like, a couple of, like, you know, quote, Sonics fans that became uh, Thunder fans afterwards, and, you know... you Few you, and far between. Yeah, I- exactly. Um, all right, one more uh, in this day in sports history. This one's good, okay? this one I like this one a lot. Are you a, Do you like The Office? Are you an Office watcher? I am a okay. fan of The Office. Okay, very good. Um, so the direction I'm going with this, you remember the uh, the classic pickup game? Yep, this came across on my timeline this morning, yep. too. Yep. So, <laughs> ESPN retweeted this, and I had to put it on the show today. We did not get an ending to that game because of an, un- <laughs> an uh, abruptly called flagrant slash personal <laughs> slash uh, Michael quit <laughs> halfway through the game. Self-acclaimed, checked him up. Yeah, but we had to throw that on this day in sports history, one of the greatest uh, television pickup games um, of all time. Dwight with the goggles, yeah, classic. That could have been a great ending to the entire series. They just they're walking through the warehouse and someone throws <laughs> like just a random hook shot and boom, it scores and game over. That could have that would have been a pretty nice nostalgic moment. Yeah, are are you a fan of this office uh, renewal? The, the the rumors are, are you think it's a show that's uh, you know what just just leave it where it was or are you in favor of a comeback? I'm gonna pay attention. I am a diehard Office fan. But, I love The Office, but I do love the original. Uh, I did take a couple years off right after Michael Scott left. I had to go back and rewatch those episodes later. So, some of people sleep on those episodes. Right. Some of those episodes are really there's funny. There's some good ones. There's there. some good ones. Will Ferrell made a a little cameo, right. remember, and then. Um, I love Robert California was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> He's a weird dude. Um, anyway, uh, we'll leave this day in sports history. Um, we'll be back uh, next week with some more uh, juicy events that happened in uh, sports history. But for now, let's talk some NBA playoff basketball real quick uh, here, Doug. Um, now, have you have you been watching the first uh, first round series at all? Serieses? Uh, watching a little bit. 
a lot of them are by the time I got stuff going on after work and things, and by the time I get home, a lot of those East Coast games are already wrapping yeah, up. I don't. I mean, I don't blame you. If I, I mean, I, I I look the box, but like these like the Magic and and the Raptors, those series and Boston and 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 then the Pacers. I'm a basketball fiend, so I watch them, but you know, I'm not really you know. Interested. It's hard to get into them. It's hard to get into them just because you kind of know the the result before it happens. Well, um, even on those off chances, and again, reminiscing from good old days of the Sonics, even those times where the Sonics were like the number one seed, they go up against Denver Nuggets, and you got Dikembe hugging the basketball underneath the hoop, and Sonics fans everywhere crying, um, myself included. But even when you have those kind of upsets, they're not going to go very far. Yeah, They're going to fall in the next round. There, There is no New York Giants from what was that, 2006 or seven, seven or eight, um, where like you're going to just have this magical run in the postseason and going to overcome it within the NBA. The NBA is set up for the better teams to win in those longer series. And so where those upsets can happen is like back there in the Sonics with the five-game series in the first round. But for NBA fans, it's hard to like get really up for the underdog kind of scenario because – there's so many dominant teams, and you know those are going to be the ones who outlast everyone else. Yeah, and the Warriors made it obvious that the only way those you know Cinderella-type teams end up even getting one win in any of these series is if the other team just stops playing, which Golden State did in that game two against the Clippers. And uh, the Clippers came back from 31 down. I was 31. watching that game, and it went to halftime. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Like, this game is over, and I, I get the notification. Clippers storm back, 31 points. I'm like, what? Right. What? Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely impossible. And then all the you – know, all Pat Beverly's uh, locking down Kevin Durant. Well, then Kevin Durant goes out and gets 40 buckets last night. I mean, come on. Don't 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 buy into those narratives. But what I want to ask you is how, how was – besides – aside from, like, the physicality factor, obviously, of watching, like, playoff basketball back in, like, the early 2000s, late 90s, what is the main difference you would think between watching like playoff basketball now and back then? What, do you think back then it was still about the matchups? Because coming into these series, and that's why I've been such a huge, you know, I can smell the sweep coming in this Thunder series just because of the matchup that Portland poses against the Thunder in the shooting. Was it the same way back in the day where like teams just going in and uh, it's, it was an obvious just matchup problem? I think it was more, and it's similar depending on what year it is, because yeah, in the course. NBA it goes year to year. But back then it was more consistent of, there was it was more muddled in the yeah. middle. And so you were really paying attention to some of those matchups. Like the like you didn't have the, so you look at the one through four, you didn't have the upper echelon teams. Like everyone was kind of more most or less of more them, well, I mean, we still had the, the upper ones. Like you always had... The, you depend know, on which years it was, like the Laker years. The Lakers, and, Bulls. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the ones and twos were always up there, but you were really paying attention to that three through six mm. because the fours and the fives, that one was always a toss-up. Right. And even the sixes could upset the threes, maybe, but it made for really good basketball. Mm. It made for some great series. Um, it depend on which era, which years you're looking at, depend on – were some players there? Some were some players right. not there? The formation of some special teams just for a couple of years. Um, those rocket teams for the, the couple of years right in between the Jordan yeah. years. Um, I don't know why the Sonics couldn't put it together during those ones, but they put it all together right when Jordan decides to come on back. Sorry, I'm still stuck on that. From it's going to be in the back of my head yeah, for the okay. rest of the day. See, I, I really don't expect a true fan to ever forget about moments like those. So, I mean, well, I mean, and, and times. 
yeah, it was just uh... it's, an, it's an ingrained in the mind. Uh, I'm I'm never gonna forget, you know, my team's you know struggles and you know chances that they had robbed from them, legs that they had taken from them. Knees All like 32 too. legs mm, yeah. that have been taken a out of Portland Trail. A lot, a lot of blazer legs, a lot, of, a lot of knees and ligaments have been taken, unfortunately. But you know what? We're in a pretty good spot right now. So Doing pretty good. Yeah. But the reason I brought up the Met, because like you look at the the way the NBA has been at least the last five years, it's been that, you know, the East, you know, was run by LeBron and you had everyone else after him. Well, now the East is, you know, looking like its own commodity now. But then, you know, everyone was saying, oh, the West is where the playoffs are. Can't wait for these West series. You know, you mentioned that, oh, you're going to be looking through at the three through six. Well, Houston is just demolishing Utah right now. Right. It's a huge matchup problem. Huge. They had too many shooters on the court for Houston. The way Utah plays, they're going to be a first round out. Easy. But if Utah had a, a matchup against like a, a San Antonio where they just match up better and play, in the, that series could go either way. So I, I just, I, I wish I could just fly back in time, Doug. <laughs> I really just wish I could fly back in time because the kind of basketball fiend I am, um, I wish I could get a taste for what playoff basketball was like in that, that late 90s year when I was just a wee lad and couldn't walk very straight yet so um but uh, a lot of game threes uh tonight uh, of course all obviously the blazers thunder is the nightcap and you got the raptors and the magic and then the third one is the pacers in boston mm-hmm. and boston i've had a bu- i have a bunch of celtics uh f- friends that are celtics fans and um it's, it's, uh, boston doesn't impress me I think Milwaukee's going to be end up coming out of that. But uh, we'll get away from the NBA talk for now. We'll probably revisit it a little bit later. Let's get on some Tiger, Doug. Let's get on some. Oh, love me some Tiger. Let's let's feel some Tiger love now. Uh, if you had the <laughs> besides the fact that obviously he won the Masters, yes, awesome. Um, I got up at about eight and started watching the final rounds um, just because I, I had I had the strong feeling he was down two strokes uh, from the lead. Uh, going into like that early morning, and then uh, what's his uh, the the Frenchman? I I can't not Coca. Uh, you know the or he was an Italian born player maybe. I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, he had the lead going into the day, and then Ti- yeah 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 yeah. Um, and then Tiger ended up you know coming away with it in the end. But the best part about this, like like I said at the beginning of the pod. <laughs> the the security guard that comes in guns blazing and just almost takes out the leg of Tiger and the, the social media memes and reactions were hilarious. They were like awesome. I said, it, it honestly looked like he was trying to Nancy Kerrigan him. Like it you did. know that he was trying to help him out. He's trying to help protect and do his job. But for anybody who didn't get a chance to see it, he falls right into the back of the knee of Tiger Woods and it looks like he's going to completely take him out. And you're like, oh, no, this is not how this ends. Like, because like you said, I think that the entire world was all watching. And for a great majority, we're hoping to see Tiger be able to turn that around to get that. And I remember I was sitting on the couch on Saturday night and I'm flipping through my phone and I'm talking to my wife about it. And I was like, tomorrow's going to be special at the Masters. And she goes, why? And she doesn't watch golf. She doesn't care about golf. Yeah. And I was like, Tiger Woods is going to be in the final pair and he's within reaching distance. And she goes, cool. And she, to her, that has nothing to do with it. But I just sat back and thought about that for a little bit. And, I, and part of me wants to not root for him because there's all sorts of other random things yeah. going on. And some of the stuff work that I do professionally um, yeah, you, definitely you, does not play into some of the stuff that he yeah, had going on. Absolutely. And 
But when you look at it, and I think Colin Cowherd earlier this week put it really well, it's the first time out, and he's, he compared it to Michael Jordan, when Michael Jordan's first set of championships, that he was he had the arrogance, the little bit of the ego, the on top of the world, no mm-hmm. one can touch me, even with fans kind of flipping a little bit. And Tiger was the same way during his great, the, the pinnacle of his career. And then life happens. And for Michael Jordan, that was, I mean, the timing of his dad's death and figuring, trying to go through life and figure out what he wanted to do and reassess and try baseball. And kudos for him for doing what he wants to do. Um, and then Tiger going through the family troubles and things. Colin Cowherd likened it to, it made him human because it made it more similar to yeah, made experiences him relatable. that fans have and the fans are battling with on a regular basis. And so it almost humanizes them to the point where when they have the comeback, Everyone's rooting for him. Yeah. And again, everyone was rooting for Jordan back in the day, except for us Sonics fans. And then um, on Sunday, everyone was rooting for Tiger to win. Uh, yeah, it's a great way to look at it, just making it a, a relatable victory for everybody. But uh, you, you mentioned Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan actually came out and called Tiger the greatest athlete of all time. What do you think about that statement? I mean, when you but when you break it down, can you... I mean, outside of probably Tiger, Michael Jordan, I guess maybe throw LeBron in there. Like when it comes to like icons and sports, because who cares about golf? In, in all honesty, I mean, you know, people, the majority of like everyone will be, you know, uh, you know, they'll be ta- paying attention kind of is like, oh, Masters is on. Oh, who's got the lead? Oh, cool. Wait, what? What? Tiger's in the top three what, going into the final round? What? And so that's when like, you have you know, athletes that can change the sport. And to add another one on there would be like Venus Williams. Yeah, Venus Williams. The idea of someone being able to take a sport and put the entire sport on their back shows greatness. Mm -hmm. And they talked about it at length on Sunday about all of the golfers that were there that are the young guns now. And they all grew up watching Tiger play. And as young athletes in their childhoods trying to figure out where they're going to go with this, are they going to be a basketball player? Are they going to be a baseball player? And maybe they were like myself where my parents just kept me in sports just to keep me busy. So I was trying every sport, whatever season it was. And maybe they were in the middle of doing all of those different seasons trying to figure out what sport they want to. But Tiger made golf cool for a little bit. Oh, yeah. And it made people pay attention. And it turned people onto the sport of golf and be able to play. And I think it was just last week or maybe a week and a half ago where they did the around the NBA and they're asking players who is the greatest basketball player of all time. Not pundits, not reporters, not Mm -hmm. people like you and me. But they went out and asked players who was the greatest, and over 70% said Michael Jordan. Yeah. And LeBron James got a couple votes, and there's a couple other votes here and there. But so then for Michael Jordan to turn around as one of those elite athletes and then say that Tiger Woods is the greatest athlete of all time, that means something. Yeah, it's the ultimate endorsement. I mean, if you got to be Tiger Woods here and that, I mean, vice versa too. But, uh, I, I mean, the, the majority, I feel like, of – the consensus here is uh, Tiger is back on top. Um, I mean, it feels like 2005 again. I think that was our 2008, I think, was his last. Uh, Matt or Seven or eight, yeah. Seven or eight, and then all the you know, family drama, the surgeries, and uh, the mug shots started coming after that. But, you know, now we're the here. Did so. not finish rounds. Yeah, did not. The, you know, broke his back literally on a swing. He, he finished that. Uh, his last major or victory came he tore his acl and he finished yep. that uh that tournament on that on that knee so uh yeah 
glad to see Tiger back on top. It brings relevance back to the sport. Um, let's go. Let's move on to another topic here. There's a, a plethora of uh, fans waiting out for our autograph, it looks like. So it looks like our time might be crunched here. But we're still going to get to a few topics here. I want to talk about uh, leeway when it comes to fans. So this has been something that I've been kind of sitting on for a while. This kind of started stirring up, uh, and it was a few months back in a Utah game where OKC was in town, and a fan got uh, in a, a dispute with Westbrook, and cameras caught it. At first glance, it just looks like a fan's, you know, just talking some trash, like you know fans do. Which brings me to a point: one, do fans have too much, especially in relation to NBA games? There's not a lot of space between those courtside seats right there and actual like NBA players and you know games. I don't see what's stopping most people from just running on the court. I mean, the majority of the times. Um, but furthermore, so this fan was discovered that you know, he was yelling racial slurs at Westbrook, which is not tolerable. The Jazz stepped on it real quick. And then uh, something that I want to talk or bring up, though, is uh, Kyle Korver um, actually put out an article through the Players' Tribune on just an amazing piece on what it means to be a white uh, man in the NBA and the the power that you have to affect change as a white man is kind of the theme of it, and how to use your white privilege and also what white privilege means because not a lot of people understand really what white privilege means me as you know uh, a 23 year old white man in a you know demographic that I have white privilege is the kind of the gist of it right you know i didn't grow i grew up on the poverty line i didn't grow up with nice things nothing like that but sitting here i pretty much what kyle core was saying i have a you know a option in this battle i can either have put my input in and try and help or i have the privilege of being quiet that was pretty much the gist mm -hmm. of it and it's an amazing amazing piece um but again let's just turn it back to what can we do and are we doing enough uh, for some of these issues that are coming up? Because this isn't the first instance, it's not just Westbrook. Um, you know, it's pl players across the league. You know, when Westbrook, uh, you know, came out and was verbal about it and he, you know, said this needs to change, it, it really started bringing up other NBA players recounting their experiences. So this has been happening for a long time. So I guess specifically in like an NBA environment, I guess, because there's definitely space in, you know, NFL games, hockey games, there's a the glass, but an NBA game specifically, I feel like there's just not a lot of protection for these players. Would you agree or disagree? No, I completely agree. I think the plane surface plays a huge role into it. I mean, even at baseball games, you have to jump over the fence or yeah. jump over the wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, even soccer games, you have to travel a long distance to get to the plane surface. Yeah. For basketball, you're right there. Soccer, got, we've seen plenty of, you know, And they have security and, who tackles them right away. Yeah. Um, and usually the players are quick enough also to get out of the way, and mm -hmm. then you just watch what happens. But with basketball, they are right there. you got courtside seats. You literally are courtside. Like, you're catching people as they fly out of bounds. Mm -hmm. And one thing, though, that I think is interesting with that – and uh, I'm glad you brought up the the Corver article uh, because it does bring up a lot of things. And a uh, similar article that came out just yesterday, I forget where I saw it. I apologize. I should be able to cite my sources. But they talked about the idea of politics and with politics ramping up as they're coming along to the next primary election that um, – that some people are bowing out and that it is a privilege for a lot of people, including myself as a white male to say, I'm tired of hearing about this. I'm just going to bow out because it's not going to affect me too much mm -hmm. because politics does impact different cultures and different populations in very different ways. 
And so when you talk about taking away someone's uh, Affordable Care Act or you talk about uh, eliminating sp specific people's jobs that they've, they're reliant upon uh, to feed their families, they are at a greater vulnerability to the, the politics are going to matter to them. And I, again, have the privilege to be able to step back and say it's not going to affect me too much. Um, same thing within the NBA and the idea. Um, I think that there's a lot of things, a social climate that has um, somehow allowed, like the division of people has allowed for people to have a louder voice when it comes to those kind of things, the racial slurs and mm -hmm. things, um, where um, it wasn't okay five, six years ago, I don't yeah. think, or it was less okay. And it seems to be a little bit more okay now to say, well, that's my opinion and I get to say what my opinion is and you have to listen to it. Right. Well, that's not quite how that goes. Yeah. Like you have freedom of speech up until the point where it hurts somebody or yeah. it causes panic. You can't yell fire in a movie theater is the old adage. Right. Um, that's not freedom of speech. Yeah. That's inciting riots. Mm -hmm. And so I think, unfortunately, people are feeling empowered or emboldened to be able to say those kind of things a little bit more. Um, and I think we were talking about it um, just before the show, and I mentioned the the fight at the palace or the the malice, the malice at the palace. palace. Right. That's mm -hmm. the word I was looking for. And I think that broke the fourth wall. Oh, it like, definitely did. Yeah, like Deadpool. Like it, it finally just turned around and was like, they've always coexisted, the fans and the players, but never did they ever cross. Yeah. And at that point, they crossed. And since then, we've seen more people identify that they can do that. They, they talk down to the players, and the players are talking back. Mm -hmm. And I, we saw that just a little bit in the NFL, too. There was a, I forget which Seahawk it was. Um, it was going back to the locker room, and so people were yelling and throwing I slushies. I vaguely remember that, yeah. They were throwing slushies or Frank beer Clark or something. Maybe. I don't know. And so he comes back out, and he's like, fine, well, let's, let's talk about it. And the security guard had to get in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the Mouse of the Palace is one of those key moments in history where you broke the fourth wall, and then mm -hmm. players started feeling emboldened. Ron Artest starts taking off his shoe and beating fans to a bloody pulp. It's time to make a change. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so I think that, unfortunately, that wall was broken. Because I also think that, the especially in basketball, if you've played at Cameron Indoor, if you've played at UNC, if you've played at some of the, at Michigan, mm -hmm. if you've played at some of these places, their student section is right up on the floor. Yeah. And I'm going to guesstimate that this isn't the first time that they've been yelled at yeah but i think that the nba players sometimes let the the emotions boil over to the point where then they respond yeah and again i'm not saying that it's okay for the fans in in the stands to be to saying those things to using racial slurs about people about their moms it, it's about tough their wives, to throw but... out the word double standard in a situation like this because it's a it's a huge deal that you know players should not have to be attacked verbally in that kind of regard especially when it comes to racial slurs like that but also to that point you know players do kind of antagonize the fans a little bit too so it definitely goes both ways um you know i know sitting there watching the blazers thunder game and watching westbrook and his antics westbrook has you know a history of you know being extra in that regard um never should he have to be attacked like that um but at the same time you know you you, you do like to antagonize back so don't try and you know, play the 100% victim here, I think is all I'm trying to say. I'm not, you know, giving any sort of, you know, pass to anything like that, but also you're not 100% scot-free here. Well, I'm circling it back to the current playoffs. You see a lot of people getting in each other's faces. Oh, yeah. I want to see that stay there. I oh, want to yeah. see them getting in each other's faces yeah. because it's playoff basketball and that's where it should be. Let's try to retain that fourth wall. And, and I, I hope you, I, I hope you saw that sequence of uh, Damien and, and Russell going back at each other like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Uh, 
my my basketball like high right now is just all time. It's 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 up there right now. I mean, we got two O series lead going into tonight. Anything's possible. Uh, my basketball high is, is is intense right now. Uh, let's get off the basketball knowledge for a sec. Uh, let's go to a kind of quick wrap up here. Um, as we're kind of ending out the show, let's talk a little NFL draft real quick. Um, apparently, John Gruden and uh, new GM Mike uh, Mayock have cleared the room uh, in terms of allowing any personnel to know their draft uh, plan. So they sent all their scouts home. So apparently they just told them, uh, you know what, you're doing a good job from April or August up until now, but you're good. We don't need you anymore. Uh, apparently they are, quote, worried that uh, someone will leak their plans and they don't trust anyone i think the only person i wouldn't trust in that situation is the man that sent away khalil mack and amari cooper for i mean some first round picks but you know in a box of animal crackers yeah there's cracker jacks included in that deal there but um what's your take on the nfl draft are you excited for the NFL? i'm not really i was having this conversation with uh one of the well little sports burgies around here yesterday and i'm not really excited for this draft i mean my cowboys don't really have any high picks um and i just feel like the the player pool isn't as rich as it has been previously well i mean it's one of those things where there's going to be a lot of teams that improve significantly through this draft because there are some ridiculously talented players but the areas where teams are going to improve is on their pass rushing and they're going to improve on their defensive lines and their offensive lines and they're going to make steps that are going to make them better teams in the long run. For especially the casual fan, it's not as fun because after we figure out the Kyler Murray type situations at the number one and whatnot, and a couple of the quarterbacks that are going to fall into like the 8 through 15 range, then there's not a lot of high-flying offensive players that are coming out this one. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting, I think, as someone who likes to look at the the bigger broader picture and to see who's going to be blocking for the quarterbacks and the running backs and how how can i set up my personal fantasy football team going into next year mm, always seeing, always thinking ahead to the fantasy team. I always gotta look at the fantasy always thinking ahead i'm five steps ahead of you there we're gonna have to break off and do a whole separate fantasy football one oh, if yeah. we get this round to, we'll, we'll have a nice if fantasy it's a survive on until august fantasy um, edition then. i got this year has to be the year the comeback for Doug because yeah, poor Doug here didn't year. have a good uh, good year in the good old Berg Fantasy Football League. He had a nice little storming comeback there at the end, but I had I had some great talent that I drafted, and it took a long time for them to realize it. But uh, yeah, I got I know I got a better strategy going to this next year. We're gonna be better. We're gonna be better. All right, we got the wrap up coming up here, so we're gonna hit you with a quick couple little blurts, and then we're gonna get out. Uh, Doug, I mentioned this to you just the other day. Jay Cutler uh, is in the news for helping his wife uh, with a very manly task. Uh, apparently, uh, this is I, <laughs> it's not news to me. <laughs> I went through sexual education in high school, but uh, his uh, after uh, childbirth, you know, I guess it's a thing. Where your milk, uh, your your you ducks. Get, you can get a clogged duck. Uh, get clogged. So Cutler, being the husband he is, unclogged his wife's ducks by sucking harder than he has ever sucked before, Doug. So a round of applause for Jay Cutler uh, on the pod today. Uh, One of my all-time favorite arms in the NFL. Not players, but just arms. Guy's got a cannon. Um, All right, last thing here before we head out. Uh, Did you watch the uh, WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, Doug? 
I did not. Well, your boy did, and unfortunately, some poor soul thought he would just attack Bret Hart on stage, and he was gang beat by a bunch of wrestlers, as he should have been immediately. But the whole thing was crazy. I mean... Especially with those wrestlers coming out of the... Whether it's loudly said or quietly said, the steroid era of wrestling, I would not want to mess with the tempers of Bret Hart or any of the like. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, kudos to you. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. I had it written down somewhere, but we forgot it. That's okay. He doesn't deserve to be named on this podcast uh, because you, sir, are officially, uh, this is the first time uh, this is being plugged here on this pod, but it's going to be a new weekly thing. You, sir, are the a-hole of the week yeah you just you just got that award so congratulations the first ever the first ever the inaugural the inaugural a-hole of the week well that's gonna i think do it here for this edition of generational emotions we'll be back uh better than ever next friday hopefully i don't get the flu again but if i do i will come nonetheless doesn't matter nothing holds me back see y'all next week all right